You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. Okay, Danny Boyle, I do get it. I, I promise I do. I live in a world, too, where I actually see people posting on social media things like, the Beatles are so overrated, or even, and I saw this not that long ago, let's face it, the Beatles were just a bad band. And I'm like, what darker <laughs> timeline did I slip into where people are just this uninformed? There are people who believe the earth is flat, Chris, in 2019. <laughs> there are people, people that like Daddy Yankee, shit. damn it. <laughs> I just, I, I get it. It makes me angry and disconcerted and not even know what to say or not want to engage with anyone. I get it. Danny Boyle's solution, though, as a very successful film director, is to make a whole goddamn movie about it. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the idea born from Richard Curtis, the uh, permanent uh, rom-com British writer. Uh, but yes, they're uh, they're definitely on the same wavelength this is this is borderline what i never can pronounce the word hagiography yeah uh, but yeah i mean richard curtis didn't come up with the idea though it was danny boyle oh, was and okay. jack barth who came up with it curtis cool. just wrote out the script for him because when you want to make a sweet semi-romantic comedy with a lot of sort of that uh British um, magical realism type stuff in it, then Richard Curtis is your go-to guy. Yeah, which, to be fair, I mean, that's kind of all this movie needed was just a little bit of that Richard Curtis kind of heart and style to it. Right. And if you hate Richard Curtis movies, you probably won't like this Or one. be dead inside. And I really like Richard Curtis movies, and I just am oh, just okay with this one. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, it's, yeah. it's fluffy, it's fun, but it's not... It's minor Curtis and it's minor Boyle. I, I still go, like, literally, there's a point where <laughs> I'm like, I would, like, want there to be a world if the Beatles never existed where people could hear these songs. I agree. But even so, this feels like not just a cocksuck, but a bit of turnover and do whatever you want to me, Beatles. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, at some points, for sure. Look, you're not going to get the... Uh, the surviving Beatles and the members of their estates to uh, sign off on this unless you promise them to uh, portray them in a good light. Well, I'm, I mean, certainly it has been infamously hard to get Beatles songs for films or television. Yes. They've always been very product protective of said rights to the songs and to have a movie that has pretty much all of them in it. <laughs> well, they, the way around that, of course, is it, it's not exactly hard to get Beatles songs. It's hard to get the original recordings. If you want to cover a Beatles song, have at you. Well, that's fair. This is yeah. all covers. I was going to say, I think covers. I had the conversation with Marco before the movie about that, and I was like, yeah, Five Bucks says there's one official recording of a Beatles song, and it's in the end credits. And there you go. And it's right there. Uh, so I'm Chris. I'm Marco. I'm Ben. And this is Yesterday. Well, today. today, but... Yeah, yesterday, today. It sounds like a news show. Yesterday, today's <laughs> to telling you about tomorrow. Yesterday comes out tomorrow, uh, but I'm going to watch it next week. Yes. <laughs> this is getting very complicated. Himesh Patel, who uh, certainly uh, British... Uh, 
fans of television know better than we would from the show uh, EastEnders, which he was on for quite some time. Apparently everybody in Britain was on at some point. Yeah, I mean, that show's been going on forever. It's kind of an institution, pretty much. It's their, like, nighttime soap opera that will never end. Yeah. I I wouldn't even try to summarize it. I I tried looking up some info on it once, and I gave up. Yeah, it goes on and on and on. Uh, Although I don't think they ever did the thing that American soap operas did, where eventually they were, like, running out of ideas, so they introduced, like, vampires and aliens and shit, but... So, <laughs> uh, but no, no. I mean, if they did, I'd be like, "Yeah, let's watch another episode of these characters." Yeah. But uh, he plays a character named Jack Malik, who is a young Indian man living in a small town in England called Clacton on Sea, which I suppose is a real place. I believe so. And uh, he has been struggling to make it as a singer songwriter for a good portion of his his life. He's Helped, uh, encouraged, even, I would say, enabled, perhaps, <laughs> by his best friend, played by Lily James, who is Ellie Appleton, who, right off the bat, we see clearly Ellie Appleton uh, thinks that uh, Jack is the apple of her eye, and he is kind of clueless. Sure, I think she, he's more enabling her to be like, yeah, go ahead and do this for your weekend, be my manager, and he's just, like, you even see his face for part of it, it's like... Why am I still doing this? And he sees her as like, all right, fine. And then. Yeah, she drives him on, though. She's the one who, when he feels low, manager, the fan club, the biggest cheer. He's got a small group of friends that are the only people who tend to show up at his shows who are there actually to see him, where he's just playing a local bar or down by the seashore or what have you. No one really cares. Even his parents are kind of like, are you ready to give this up yet? Um, And I will say, points to this movie for actually having him quit before things change in the world, because it's like, Oh, this isn't going to be the movie where it's like, oh, and he kept to it, and then something magical saved him because he stuck to it. So, well, no, he's about to quit, and then the world decided to throw him a bone. Well, he's smartly frustrated. Yeah. I, I think at that point, there is a point where you just go, nobody gives a shit anymore. Right. And if I were going to make it, I already would have. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so he's like, you know what? I am done, and I'm sorry, and I appreciate all the support you've given me, but like, I'm done. And on the way home, riding a bike... There's a weird uh, electrical power out across the entire world that lasts for 12 seconds. And in the middle of that, he gets hit by a bus using the old cliche of like when you ever you've got to change the world drastically in a film. It means the person has to get hit on the head or something or get into Preferably a car. Preferably by accident. a bus. Yeah. <laughs> Funnier that way. And when he wakes up out of the, the accident. He's, and you know it's British because it's a red double-decker bus. Right. He's missing two <laughs> front teeth rather gorily. Yeah, actually, it's a very practical effect. Yeah, Yeah. and um, in the hospital, and of course, Ellie is there with him, and he starts, you know, he's just making offhand references to things that are related to the Beatles, and starts being, this is odd that no one seems to understand what I'm talking about, and after a bit, it starts to become clear, like, first he's like, you guys are playing some weird joke on me that I don't understand, Uh, you know, like, she buy they buy him a new guitar, you know, because his got smashed, and like, I'll play something, so he plays Yesterday by the Beatles, and they're like, that's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard, he's like, yeah, it's the Beatles, and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, and he actually upset, because like, why would you play this elaborate, weird gang (laughs) prank on me, gets home, Googles, and finds out... Literally, there never was a Beatles. Something has changed drastically in his world where the Beatles never existed, Uh, as did many other completely arbitrary things along the way. You you just touched on two of the best gags in this movie, which is every time he realizes that something doesn't exist, he goes and Googles it and gets some very amusing uh, responses that he's not expecting to get out of Google. And also the idea that, yeah, the Beatles 
are not the only thing that have disappeared from this timeline. Right. And they're, it's so arbitrary. They're just the most pertinent ones to him. In and, this moment, at least. And yeah. he does what I suspect almost anyone would do in this scenario if they were indeed a, a musician capable of playing and remembering Beatles songs. Another one of the great gags in the movie, him trying to remember the <laughs> <Yes>. lyrics. <laughs> Is he's like, well, there were never a Beatles, and I know all these songs, and I'm struggling to get noticed. Well, fuck. Yeah. And he starts thinking that, like, oh, at first, oh, this is going to be huge, and at first, no one cares. He's, yeah. like, doing this. But he gets a little bit of notice, and then he gets a little bit of more more notice, and before you know it, he's on a local news show where even the host is kind of lightly making fun of him when he's playing this gorgeous Beatles song. And Ed Sheeran, who is determined to be an actor now, apparently. Uh, (laughs) That Game of Thrones episode spoiled him. He's been appearing in a lot of stuff. Yes, he has. He's been, you're like, this guy's like, I want to be an actor. And and, and to his credit, I think Ed Sheeran is surprisingly one of the bright spots of this movie, because I thought he was just going to be the obligatory celebrity cameo in this. And he's in it a lot. He's he's actually a part of the supporting cast. He's he's having a lot of fun with it, and he's very self-effacing. He's very he becomes kind of endearing at you know as the movie goes on, because you also realize that he's trying to come to terms with. Shit, this guy writes really great music as far as he's concerned. Well, there's he see here's a song and is like shows up and goes much to Jack's shock at his house and is like I want you to open up for me on tour. I think you're really really incredible. Um and so he goes on like appears with them and the crowd goes wild and <laughs> Ed is like at one point says I'm like like they have a music contest see who in the next 10 minutes can write a song right then and there and he of course just plays a Beatles song and Ed is like well I well you know I think we know who the winner is here and I guess I'm just Salieri Mozart so yeah. I'm gonna go to bed now Jesus. <laughs> this is actually another great gag you know we're gonna get to some of the things I think that we aren't crazy about in this movie but I really want to talk about some of the good things and again well, Ed Sheeran is one of those good things because it it plays this version of Ed Sheeran that where one of the subtlest jokes in this movie is the idea that in a world without the Beatles, an artist like Ed Sheeran has kind of been elevated to like the most esteemed <laughs> songwriter in the world. And yet he plays himself as very affable, very down to earth, yeah. a little awkward, yet kind of also low key narcissistic. Right. He goes, Cause he walks around with his own phone, with his own hit song as the ring. He, 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 so so, he says at one point, uh, they said this day would come that another <laughs> would, yeah. would, would appear and surpass me. He's like, no, Jack, yes. you're a good songwriter, but you don't really think you're better than me. <laughs> uh, so like he turns into an overnight success yeah. and immediately attracts the attention of a major Hollywood producer. Are played, I thought, incredibly gratingly by Kate McKinnon, yeah. who I, I normally that was love. The point of the character, oh, it kind is. Of, she played it well, but it just to the point where every time she's on screen, I kind of cringe. I'm like, this is so over the top on like on the nose evil record producer that it, I, it was evil. It yes. was just like it was absurd to the point that. No one else is playing a character anywhere near this absurd. Well, I, I will say there's one character, and it's just for one good, one of the better jokes of Kate McKinnon when he's with the style design, director, and she's like, "So you're not going to get any more handsome than this, and you're very bland." It's like, "Oh, I see why you two like each other." It's like yeah. that's a good joke. I'm sorry, they, it just works. You know, he's being elevated and pushed in this position, and he already is feeling guilty because he is a he never went into this thing with a sense of. I would say avarice, really. He was yeah. just like, here's a good opportunity, and I also feel like people should hear these songs. Yeah. 
And as he gets bigger and bigger and people are saying, you're the greatest songwriter who's ever lived. This is going to be the greatest album ever recorded. He's genuinely feeling guilty. And on top of that, he's confronted with the fact that his childhood friend, played by Lily James, uh, right before he leaves to go up to LA, confesses that she's always loved him and never understood why she never saw, he never saw her as, as in that column of yeah. love interest. He saw her as manager slash friend. Which I thought was the least realistic part of this. Because <laughs> honestly, the woman had been hanging on his side for 10 years. For no good reason. They, it's established that, you know, she has been his biggest fan since they were 14 years old. And I'm like, she's a very attractive woman. This whole thing. After 10 years, you never looked at her and go, you know, it really, she's all right. It feels like the part of the story that Richard Curtis w- introduced into it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think the relationship, as far as like how they connect to each other and all that is one of the better parts. And especially again, because Richard Curtis can write really great dialogue and these actors are all, I think, very talented and are having a great time with it. I say still Kate McKinnon, though, yes, they could have toned her down a bit more. But uh, I think that's kind of where this movie gets a lot of its strength is from the heart of that. I think it's weakened a little bit by the length of this movie, where it feels like they try to dawdle on that relationship and like put them in like a middle ground for too long. And I'm just like, this movie doesn't have the legs to keep that going for well, as long as you try. It wants that part of it to be a bigger thing than it actually feels like it is with the amount of time the movie gets to spend with it. And to some degree, I found myself going, you're, you keep ultimating this guy in the middle, like right at the beginning of what has obviously always been his dream that you've been enabling his whole life for. And suddenly you're like, why don't you just forget about all that and come be with me? I'm like, Immediately losing sympathy for you as a character. Yeah, it's very manipulative. And the problem with this movie is, and I enjoyed it, make no mistake, but my problem with this movie is that it frequently raises a lot of interesting questions. You know, things like, who owns a song? You know, once a song is out in the world, does it belong to anybody? Is it yours? You know, who can claim credit for things uh, in a world where people have forgotten the Beatles? Do you not have an obligation to... uh, play that music. Uh, What happens in this timeline when suddenly something as historic as the Beatles is gone? How does that rewrite history? And it always kind of punts that idea to the side in favor of the romantic comedy. Because in spite of whatever sci-fi trappings or sort of like existential crisis drama is in this movie, it always reverts back to being a fluffy romantic comedy. And yet, that, yeah. it's not really a romantic comedy in those scenes. It is it is early in the film, but once he starts taking off, it's a romantic drama, those scenes. And it kind of brings the movie down every yeah. time they're happening. You're yeah, like, I really want to see this guy at least have some fun with this position he's found himself in, and yet he's just so self-tortured throughout all of this that I'm like, dude, you're a real bummer, man. Well, he's (laughs) also he's also, you know, got this real, very legitimate case of imposter syndrome. Oh, sure. You know, am I I really worthy of this? Because one thing, and again, this is a really uh, good gag in the movie, is that you think, oh, I wrote a Beatles song. Everyone's just going to go crazy. And yet he can still play these in a crowded pub and people are talking and ignoring. You know, he tries to play a song for his parents. And he's like, and you know, they're talking to the neighbor. They're on the yeah, phone. He's, playing, he's like, it, this is one of the greatest songs in the world. Let it be. You are the first people to ever listen to this. And they're like, oh, that's nice, dear. Oh, look, the neighbor's here. <laughs> the idea that not just the Beatles were 
were four very unique individuals who somehow did something historic. They were in the right place at the right time. Just because the guy has the same material does not mean he is going to have the exact same impact on And I feel like there's obviously lots of reason to be disdainful of the music industry as the way it's happened, but this is cartoonish. Oh, the way it handles it. Like, the idea that this group would totally just go... No, we changed, we decided you can't call the album what you wanted right. to call it. We're going to call it what we want to call I mean, it. These all I'm feel like, like I'm pretty sure that's not a thing. Kate McKinnon feels like she walked out of an unmade sequel for Wayne's World when they finally <laughs> get their <laughs> record deal and they have to deal with the evil record producer. That would be the Kate McKinnon character. She is coming in from a very different, probably funnier movie, but she does she does add a little bit of vinegar to this recipe that kind of unbalances and it at times. And Boyle is just nothing but disdain for celebrity or uh, the the cult of personality sure. or or even the modern music industry outside of the business level oh, of it of the way that people are just so distracted they can't be bothered to pay attention to what actual good music is. And I'd like, it's not that I completely disagree with all these elements. Like I said, it's just so ham-handed and and on the nose and and silly and not in a good way that I found myself just getting a nasty feeling in the middle act of this movie watching it. Just going like, man, I see what you're getting at, but this is... You're better than this, Danny Boyle. You could have worked... And so is Richard Curtis. You're better than this. This should have been better. Now, all that being said, there are some elements that we've already discussed. Some degree we really liked. I liked the thing that was running throughout it where he keeps randomly discovering things that also are not in that universe, like Coca-Cola. They they throw that in there in a great way. I will also say they make one of the easy jokes, which also kind of brings up one of the biggest plot holes in this movie. They're not going to mention because it doesn't matter unless you really look at it the hard way, was they bring up the joke of the Beatles. They're not there. Oasis. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like, that, that was just... I, I would have... The first thing I would have looked at was the Electric Light Orchestra. I'd go like, oh, please, please still be there. Yeah. They, of course, wouldn't be. Probably but not. No, definitely not. But, but uh, Harry Nilsson probably wouldn't get a record contract yeah. or anybody oh, yeah. who was signed on to the but Apple But it's very, like, all the artists who still do exist. I, I And I realize I'm just thinking too hard about it with a silly movie. I was like, yeah, I don't think... I think half of those artists probably wouldn't have existed no. without the Beatles being there sure. first. But... Whatever. <laughs> um, here, here, here we are. And there are some other funny gags as well. There's a, an interesting gags. There's an interesting idea in here where he's having, I don't like the way they handled this and they made it a trailer element to say it's like, oh, this is the way the plot's going and it's not at all where like suddenly the surviving Beatles show up and are like, hey, those yeah, are our that's songs. Implied. Yeah. And I was like, that was, it's literally just a dream sequence that means nothing. It's just representative of his like imposter right. syndrome. And, but there's, mysterious people hanging around right. on the outskirts who are like confused and look upset who are kind of following him around You're like what does this come to there are people who know we figure out after a while there are people who know he is lying and how they deal with it is i think one of the interesting surprises of the movie. Also, i also agree with them as a couple interesting that. twists that make it a little bit more dynamic than this movie had almost any right to be right. with a lot of the other issues in it. And that's one of the big ones. There's another one that they that is kind of not worthwhile to touch on because it's actually good enough, uh, kind of how they address, you know, other things that would change if the Beatles never existed in the timetable, like right. other people around. And that's, right. right. Um, but even then, whenever they introduce an idea like, oh, what would real, how would the world actually work if something that big changed, they always manage to tie it back to the love story and 
to me, that was frustrating because the things that were really interesting to me was like, it's like the butterfly wing dilemma. It's like, well, what what is this one little change going to do to the world? And I would love to have seen a movie that focused a little more on that and less on the romantic comedy. But that's why or I don't found make movies. A, or so. found a way to make the romantic stuff a comedy and work within it. Because yeah. it's not funny. It just brings you down in a way that is frustrating and feels poorly inserted into the plot in order to be a reflection of the Danny Boyle's ultimate goal here, which is to say fame, celebrity, none of that matters. Look around your life and realize that happiness is more about who you're with and who loves you and your family and your friends. And fine. Okay. I think it was That's the Beatles a, thank who you. said, money's something I can't, uh, what was it? Uh, love is something I can't use. I need money. They didn't write that yeah, song. Whatever, but, but, but there is this idea in the movie, like we were talking earlier, it's like, well, who owns a song? And, you know, even if you, even if the Beatles are forgotten, don't we owe something? You know, and I kept thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm sure that's a beautiful sentiment, and I bet you the surviving Beatles and the members of their estate love the sentiment and go, that's beautiful, but you have to pay us. Yeah, exactly. No, that everyone got They're paid. They're like, no, no, sure. we own this, and you can't say anything bad about us or anyone associated with our act. All that being said, I think Lily James, it's a shame because she really has turned into a, I thought at first, somewhat bland actress to someone who's really come into her own oh, and definitely. appearing in more and more interesting stuff. Here, she's almost, I said this to you earlier, Marco, she's like a British Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Yeah. <laughs> she's like just the next door girl who is just so unbelievably hot, but in that <laughs> next door girl sort right. of way that's just got that whole sort of like dorkiness to her. Which is why I couldn't uh, believe that Jack in those 10 years would never have been noticed. suffering alongside You're gonna like, tell me there's You're a no musician. Other- Come on, you need to try to get some of that. <laughs> I was going to say, Jack. Who else have you been dating? You're saying there's been more attractive women that have been hanging around you with when you have no fame whatsoever? Well, it's funny. It's in, He says at one point in there that, like, oh, yeah, he actually did sleep with somebody. And I suspect it was the actress Anna de Armas, beautiful actress, who apparently yeah. is credited as a character named Roxanne, but she was cut from the final edit. Ah, okay. so I And she is foreign, so I suspect they probably had her play, like, the... The, the person on the the Russian tour who oh, came up and, yeah, and hooked okay. up with them. But I get yeah. why they did. It was just like, okay, audiences probably went, no, we like the true yeah, love he, part. You know, for a guy who's suddenly the world's biggest rock star, he doesn't get laid very much. I thought he was a virgin. I was just yeah. like, which again, I have no this. game. It's like, you guys are like <laughs> in your late 20s. There's no way you haven't had sex with somebody. Yeah. I have a hard time believing, like, if they've known each other since middle school, that there wasn't even one party where they ended up, like, sleeping there, with there each other and regretting it. I, base. I, I just like the idea that every time they got close, Rocky interrupted them. Yeah. They just walked up, hey, man, oh, how's it going? Oh, damn it, I was about yeah. to make out with her. Rocky, played it. by comedian Joel Fry, is, like, their loser friend who doesn't have, never has a job, and when, when uh, Jack suddenly is instantly transported into fame, he's like, shit, I actually do need a roadie. Uh, right. Fuck, I'm going to regret this, but I'm going to I'm gonna let Rocky do it. He's so. also in the plot. He's kind of the guy they use anytime they realize that they've gotten themselves bogged down. It's like, okay, quick, make Rocky say something that has to force him to move because <laughs> we don't know what else to do with this scene. To well, me, though, that was the least realistic thing, though. I, I had an easier time believing that there was a worldwide power outage that caused 99% of the world to forget about the Beatles than this guy who is a musician who has been, you know, hanging out with the same girl since middle school, and he never once made a move. 
or even considered it. I, that I was agree. the part I couldn't suspend my disbelief. Well, at least that he still was interested when she challenged him to. It's like it's like if he didn't, then he would pretty much be the guy to go. No, I just I don't. I'm the sorry about that. The entirety of the romantic aspect of this film is so mishandled and yeah. so all over the place. And even when in the film he finally like declares that he loves her, it's like. I'd be fucking pissed if I were yeah, her. Yeah, a little late. <laughs> well, also, really awkward. Yeah. It's like, wow, talk about putting you on the goddamn spot. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to final thoughts. Sure. Ben, get us started. Overall, I think uh, I've come to find from our reviewer that I may have liked it better than the rest of you guys. I don't think it's by leaps and bounds, necessarily. Uh, I think Lily James and uh, Hamish Paltel had a, had a good chemistry when they got the chance to, but I agree, the plot kind of hamstrings them to then have really awkward moments where they have to challenge, you know, oh, you have to love me and do this or that, and it's like, that doesn't feel like either way that their relationship is going or would normally go. It's kind of a cheat there. I didn't feel Kate McKinnon as grating because I thought she was supposed to be kind of cartoonish to kind of balance the attempts for drama everywhere else, but I also feel like, yeah, she still shows up a bit more than she should if she's trying to be such a big thing. Overall, I mean... I think they're good covers of Beatles music. They didn't try to sound exactly like the original songs. They said... <laughs> they're okay. They said he'll be a guy who's covering them the best he can from memory and from what he can do, and I appreciated that. Uh, kind of in the same way I appreciated the better covers from across the universe. You know, there's there's times to try to sound exactly like the Beatles, there's times to just appreciate the music, and this movie's about appreciating the music more than it is to sound like the Beatles. Uh, it's cute. It's fun. If you like Beatles music... I'd say it's definitely worth, like, go seeing on the weekend, like, you know, for, like, an early morning screening or matinee or whatever it is. But if you're looking for something kind of heavier or deeper or, you know, more affecting for you, you're probably going to Well, Midsummer is playing, so go yeah. see that. That's going to affect you in as many different ways. That's a great ways. one to take your mom to. Yesterday <laughs> sold out. Love it. Take her to Midsummer instead. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and you and that's it. when my mother stopped talking to me. <laughs> Uh, you know you haven't talked to your mother in years. Yeah, uh, you know, it's been a few days. <laughs> I give it seven and a half album titles that are considered now un-PC. Uh, I was going to say, on, in terms of doing covers of Beatles songs, I genuinely feel that, like, in this world, where no one's ever heard the Beatles, doing it as close to the originals as possible is the way to go. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> Absolutely. But in our world... Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do it. Try and sound just like you're never going. Why yes. would you do that? I mean, like if you're going to do it, reinterpret it into something new. Best Beatles cover album of all time is Lie Box. Let it be because trust me, <laughs> they ain't trying to sound <laughs> like that. Well, I was going to say kind of the issue. Well, I was the residents introduce the Beatles <laughs> where they just tear that apart. There's right. also the great uh, reggae <laughs> tribute to the Beatles album where it's just all reggae covers. Well, I'm just saying, like, do it different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Marco, what do you think? Uh, you know, I'm going to agree with a lot of the things you guys have already said. Uh, this is a fluffy, lighthearted little film. It is by no means great. It is a fun cover version of a much better movie that I wish had have happened, but I can't review the movie for what I wanted it to be. I have to review it for what it was. And I had a good time with this. Uh, there are some questions that I thought it raised that were very interesting, that uh, very often got... Uh, 
put aside and because the love story was prioritized over everything else. Uh, but the music is great. I think Hamish Patel is surprisingly convincing as a singer-songwriter. He is a credible singer and guitar player. Yeah, he's got a great voice. And, and you sure. absolutely believe that, yes, this is a guy who is better than your average guy busking on the street corner. He can actually, you know, deliver these songs and make you understand why, yes, a world who had never heard the Beatles before would see this one little guy and go, actually, he's that's pretty good. I uh, mean, he wants, Danny Boyle wants to remind you how good these songs actually are. Right. Without all the Abbey Road production, without George Martin's magic, without the string orchestra, the idea that, and, and this is what I've long said about great songs, is great songs are indestructible. Uh, you can do a terrible cover, you can do a great cover, it doesn't change the quality of that song. And the song itself will always surpass. The song remains else. the same. The song remains yes. the same. Uh, and this movie is true to that. It has so many things on its mind that I agree with, that I find interesting. Uh, I but I wanted them to delve more into that, and they don't always do that. Uh, yet, nevertheless, I had a good time. It put a smile on my face. Most of the gags worked, and it was. This was just like a nice little B side. You don't have to collect it. You don't. It's not essential to your collection, but it's nice to have. I give this seven out of ten. Winding roads. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just. It's just so goddamn slight. I, I I found myself regularly going, like I was excited for this because of Richard Curtis, and I think Danny Boyle has always had one of those careers that like. Every third movie Danny Boyle does is a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah. Sure. The other two are forgettable and he, sometimes downright bad. He, he's not a guy who ever repeats himself. Yeah, he tries so much different stuff and more power to him. Uh, but this was definitely a, like I said, I th- I really genuinely believe it probably stemmed from a sort of like being pointed out to him that, that kids today don't get how great the Beatles are. And he wanted to make a movie to sell them on how great the Beatles are this by movie, not having yeah. the Beatles be in it. <laughs> this is a movie made by a couple of uh, men in their 50s who are standing on their yard, shaking their fist at the kids, driving great. by. And it's, it, it is what it is. Um, there are going to be people who are going to be outright just, like, embarrassed watching this thing. I was even mildly embarrassed watching this thing because I, I personally think the Beatles were the greatest rock band that ever existed. I mean, they influenced... Everything they changed, everything they and they they set the course for the history of rock and roll from then on, yeah. and did it with some music that still holds up today as as really impressive and and goddamn wonderful. And yet, I still don't have the love for them that Danny Boyle does. <laughs> like, not even close. It's a British thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, yeah, there's pleasures to be found here. It's just a shame that there's so many things in in here that I I feel like keep redirecting it off of a course that would have been much more interesting, much more pleasurable. I expect Curtis films to be more pleasurable than this. And this starts off sort of lightly funny. And as it goes along, it gets more and more wrapped up in its own hand-wringing with only not terribly funny side characters like Kate McKinnon and Joel Fry to try and lighten it up that – doesn't really succeed on that level. I'm just, I think this was just okay. I always love hearing Beatles songs, and a lot of the time these are played quite beautifully. Like, especially when he's just doing them acoustically acoustically, or on the piano. You're like, wow, this is a gorgeous cover of the song, and I like hearing it. Hell, I'm so nostalgic for 
that time in my youth. I even get teared up hearing a Beatles song played in the proper context. Oh, yeah. Some of them are great here. But, eh, still, it's this is slight. I will have largely forgotten about this in five years. I promise you. I'm going to give it five and a half out of ten uh, sentiments from Hallmark cards. <laughs> now, I want to, before we finish here... I want to talk about the very ending of this film, but it's a huge spoiler. So you guys who want to see the film and don't want to be spoiled, please tune out now. Stop your MP3 players, or your computers, or whatever you're listening to this on, uh, because I do want to discuss this ending. So you ready? Are you done? Okay. What a weird choice that I have no idea how I feel about yet, about ending it where nothing reverts back to normal and we continue to live on in a world where the Beatles never existed. <laughs> I, I admired that. I thought, yeah. you know what? Stick to your guns. I kind of dug it, and I also really liked the them going for the super happy endings. I'm like, all right, at least you're trying to wrap it up yeah. happily. And Jack, and Jack ceases to be an imposter, and he goes, I didn't write it. That I liked. He admitted it. He's like, look, you guys don't remember this. But I did not write these songs. They were these four guys. They were great. But since they, no one remembers I mean, them, I'm here to tell you. And I like to make these songs yeah. available to the world. Where he goes, fuck the record management company. And, and I'm making it where anyone can hear them because these songs should belong to the world. Right. They should not belong to me. Right. And I thought a lovely little scene yeah. of him playing in front of like a primary school yeah. group of kids for free on a stage. And they're, and just they're all just having a great time yeah. singing Obladi Oblada. Which is the perfect Absolutely. choice for yeah. a school anyway. And, and I was like, that is indeed kind of a charming way to end this thing but i did find myself that like the final joke which is like he makes a reference to harry potter and voldemort (laughs) and uh uh lily james is like who's harry potter (laughs) and and he there's a scene of him googling it and i was like the next shot should have been him trying to to write harry Harry potter Potter. (laughs) so i will also say i kind of like the um him going you know what never mind you don't need to worry about that where it's like He's kind of learned at that point. He's like, this is too much effort to try to explain this to people now. I would have, I admit there would have been a point, and I think this is like, for anybody, we're like, yes, that's all very nice and good. Now look up the artists who weren't as important as the Beatles, but still wrote some really great songs who don't exist and claim those are your songs. Oh, <laughs> I would make a ton of stopped. money. <laughs> I do want to say the one spoiler thing that I skipped earlier, but now we're here is, the song that he's playing that she fell in love with him during is an Oasis song, and Oasis doesn't exist now. No, I so know. what was he playing? What a great moment it would have been. And this is just me, who's not a huge Oasis fan anyway. I think they are I think they are overrated. They have some good um, songs, but yeah, but they're not amazing. Of them going, I'd like to introduce a song I wrote, yeah. and then play Wonderwall, Wonderwall. Which, is, yeah. which is like the song that like he played when he was young, right. which is like his first big musical experience. And I was like, that would have been brothers. a funny. I was like, you know what kind of fucking that, That's kind of what I, I, I wanted, like that, something like that. She's like, you wrote wrote that song and it was so beautiful that I fell in love with you. He's like, that works. There you go. <laughs> See, and I, I think one of the things that I, I actually appreciated about the movie was that, yes, he, he he has these songs and he feels guilty about it, but he does try to work some of his own material in and everyone's like, yeah, you know what? You sh- we're not going to put that one. You, we shouldn't record. That was not the best one. And I, I think that was really great because another movie could have been like, well, no, he just discovers that actually he is good. He just needs to have confidence in himself. Some great guys are, some people are great musicians, just not great songwriters. And he realized, like, this is not my forte. I, you know, it, <laughs> yeah. I'm not the Beatles. I mean, Ed Sheeran's character has to kind of admit, even though he doesn't know who the Beatles are, he's like, I'm not that. 
you know how how any how could anybody measure up to that that legacy? Well, I, it would have been funny as well if like it had ended with something like, "Okay, well, so we're actually going to see uh, the new Fuhrer get sworn in. So if you want to come down, to <laughs> yeah, that's cool. There are no what? cigarettes in this <laughs> world. I thought, and that then was Jordan another great Peele guy. was there. Enter Jack Malik uh, <laughs> in a world he <laughs> thought world. was perfect for him. I, I had a friend of mine who was like. He posted on Facebook. His kid was like singing along to, uh, to, to I think he was singing along to uh, Bowie and a Queen song. He's like, yeah, I love the way Bowie sings. I love this Queen song. He's listening under pressure. He says under pressure. You know, it's like a nine year old kid pressure. going. He's like, I like that British the way he says it, like that British way. And he's like, well, son, that's because you know Freddie Mercury was British. And he's like, wait, he was. He's like. Yeah, yeah, Freddie Mercury's British, and so are the Beatles. He's like, oh, well. He's like, well, I guess we still have, you know, Elton John. He's like, um, <laughs> son, you know. I hate we, to tell you guys, but the bulk of the great musicians rock and, rock and roll. When you start thinking about it. The, you know, I joked about it. It's a British thing, but it's like, no, it's they took they took rock and roll. Well, let's say. They're let's still trying honest. to teach that kid about Bob Dylan. They, they <laughs> Elvis and it all those like guys folk. stole rock and roll from black yeah. people, yeah. and then the British stole it from the Americans and made it better than all of them. I mean, fair. Everybody stole something from the Beach Boys, who were decidedly Americans. So, uh, yeah, like, I mean, even fair. the Beatles came over You're and like, were oh, like, fuck. we worship you. You're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we got we to gotta, – we can't compete with that. Mm. But anyway. Yeah. But anyway, thanks for We didn't listening. even talk about John Lennon making an appearance. Uh, yeah, that's right. As long as we're doing sure. spoiler, I think that was Robert Carlyle. I like, don't know he who is, it is. I, we were yeah. looking on the internet to see who played John Lennon in that appearance. <laughs> because is. he's under a bunch of makeup. And I was like, I'm telling you, that's Robert Carlyle. He looks he a lot sh- like him. And, and like, he's totally, they're hiding who it was. And but Carlyle's worked with uh, Danny oh, yeah. Boyle on a number of films. And I'm like, I'm telling you, that's who that was. I'll he be sure shocked is. if it was not him. I, I think you're right. He sure as hell didn't sound like John Lennon. He didn't sound anything. No. Like, come on. He's got the, one of the most distinctive Liverpoolian accents exactly. of all of yep. them. And you're like, come on. You could have worked a little more with the accent there. ADR that shit if you have yeah, to. Just a little bit. Come on. Do something for it. <laughs> it's called Julian. What's he doing? You know, <laughs> no I, I actually, that would have been fitting. <laughs> Hiding from Yoko. <laughs>